0: Hello, everyone. Well, it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. It's, uh, here in the UK. It's about, uh, 20 to 2. Uh, and, uh, just really looking forward to getting this podcast launched for the first time ever. And, uh, I really have to say this is a soft launch. Uh, there are some things that uh, won't make it quite as uh, maybe smooth as it would have been, but uh, we're here, and I thank God for the chance to tell you the story that I promised you I would tell you about uh, the accident I had and what God did through that accident, uh, and then to tell you a little bit more about uh, what's going to happen uh, in the future with Rejoicing Bones. Before I go any further, I just want to say, look, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for streaming me into your home or wherever you are. I really appreciate the chance to tell you this story. I really do, I really appreciate the chance to minister to your heart, and I hope that really happens today. Um, I Um uh, Listen, Psalm 105, I want to start there real quick. I'm just going to read it to you, Psalm 105. Psalm 105, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. And make known his deeds among the peoples. That's exactly why I'm doing this. I have to make known the deeds that God has done. In so many different ways. But we'll start with this accident and uh, and what happened then. So here I was. Uh, this was uh, the 3rd of July of 2017. Uh, I have to commute to work. It's a uh, sunny morning. It's a Monday morning. And I've got my sunglasses on. I'm riding my Sportster, my Harley-Davidson Sportster, 1200 and, uh, it was a good little cruiser and got me to work and back, uh, every day. And that's what I did. Uh, that Monday morning on the 3rd of July, 2017, I stepped out of my house at about 620 a.m., jumped on my bike, rode down the road that took me all the way into Cambridge. When you approach Cambridge, there's a uh, fork in the road. this fork divides two uh, roads, the a fourteen and the m eleven. These two roads are both major arteries in the area where where they split the exit side of the uh, on the a fourteen is two lanes, and this is exactly where. Uh, I was hit. Uh, The gentleman who was driving a Mercedes Vito van uh, was uh, behind me quite a distance and I was established in my lane, but I decided to do a lane change because I wanted to go into the city of Cambridge a different way, a nice scenic route. It was a beautiful sunny morning, so that's what I would have done. And uh, this gentleman... Jumped off of the lane to take him onto the M11 side and crossed over the hash marks and jumped onto the A14 side. He was jumping the queue of traffic that was forming there at the time. And, uh, what he didn't know was that I was in front of a flatbed truck that he was overtaking and, uh, he, rubbed the handlebars on, on the right side, uh, on my right side and hunting his left. And, um, eventually I lost control of the motorcycle and my bike swerved over to the right as I probably, uh, over steered overcompensated. Uh, he was going 80 miles an hour though. Uh, and I was going about 50. So the difference in the speeds was going to cause some trouble, obviously. Uh, so I was, um, trying to gain control of my motorcycle the handle, of the uh, excuse me the the bike uh, bounced off of the guard rail uh here in England they call them a barrier uh and uh it, i didn't quite lose control yet so i i was going down the road wobbling a bit more and then the barrier uh, it met with the bike again and for some reason the bike bit into the barrier and it was catapulted into the air uh we both flew through the air, uh, my motorcycle off to the left, and I flew it through the air off to the right uh, and uh, uh, somersaulted very rapidly uh, uh, f- quite a few meters down the road and landed right between these two roads, the uh, A14 and the M11. Uh, in England, they, they call that sort of grassy area a, uh, a grass verge or uh, a central reservation. Um, in I think in America we say median has been a long time, but anyway, you get the idea. That's where my body ended up. Um, if I had gone just a little bit further uh, to the right, I would have gone over the central reservation and into the traffic of the M11. And that would have been pretty catastrophic. Uh, I don't think I would have survived. Uh, and, and the same thing, if I had gone off to the left, uh, too far, uh, I would have been thrown into the traffic on the A14 side, and I would have probably not survived the traffic going that way. I uh, really just am grateful for that small sliver of grass. That was my refuge there for a minute. Well, actually for almost an hour as I waited for a, a, re- a rescue. <clears throat> Through the process of this uh, collision and uh, and the motorcycle crash, uh, and flying through the air and landing, we don't know how, what happened, when. But uh, my my left leg was uh, snapped in half at the knee, so no bones broke, but it was actually pulled apart um, and dislocated as it bent completely backwards the wrong way. I'm really sorry to be graphic, but uh, I really think it helps get uh, helps us get an understanding of the extent of the injuries, which is going to be really important for the whole story. <clears throat> so the left side uh the, so the left leg was dislocated at the knee torn open and uh, uh and uh in fact if the impact uh had been any harder i probably would have uh, completely had a severed leg but uh but it was held together by soft tissue and you get the idea on the right side uh my leg was folded up like an accordion i had to open fractures compound fractures uh in the femur the distal femur that's the the lower part of the femur above the knee that was broken and open uh my my knee was actually destroyed and uh it made irreparable it wasn't ever going to be the same again uh and then my tibia and fibia excuse me my tibia and fibula were both uh, broken down towards the ankle and that, those were open breaks and, uh, so that was quite a gory mess. Uh, my foot was also broken. Um, and oddly enough, I had uh, steel toe boots on and, uh, my, my, my foot still broke in, inside of there probably because of the firmness of the, uh, the steel toes. But, uh, that's pretty much what my body was like all lower body uh, injuries. It was quite miraculous that there were no, uh, broken hips, uh, no spinal injuries. Uh, no head injuries as far as we know, uh, that still remains to be seen. Uh, I've, I've had my head examined to see if, uh, to see if uh, there was any brain damage and there was nothing there. So uh, the an excellent witness and, and bystander called in uh, rescue from uh, here in England, it's 999. They called in the emergency services and the air ambulance service was sent uh, to come to my aid. Interesting thing about that was uh, um, Prince William was uh, on the crew. He's a very hands-on person. He uh, was there not only to, to, to fly the helicopter, but to also help the medics. Because I had two really messed up legs uh, and they needed all the hands-on that they could get. So, uh, so Prince William, I've heard, was always like that when he was uh, in the ambulance service. Um, so he helped them hold my legs in place while they were being treated. He uh, apparently is the one who took the pictures. I have pictures of the scene of the accident there. Uh, of course, I can't show those to you right now. I don't think you'd appreciate that anyway, uh, but uh, that was great. Uh, anyway, so um, I got to the hospital eventually and uh, I was still conscious this whole time. Uh, At at first, of course, I was in excruciating pain. I was screaming. And uh, uh, like you would if your legs were busted up like that. um, One of the witnesses uh, said, uh, I I asked him to straighten my legs out because they hurt. (laughs) And uh, he said, uh, no, mate, Uh, I think they're broken. Uh, the, the, the there were other so many funny things that that, that came out of my mouth. Uh, I think the first one was, uh, I hope I didn't do something stupid, uh, w- which sounds like me because uh, I wouldn't want to have done uh, something that would have been uh, my fault uh, to end up in, in that situation. Uh, the reason I'm talking like this, actually, is because uh, I don't remember the accident at all. Uh, the Everything I've just told you so far is uh From the uh, accounts given by the witnesses of the accident. Uh, In uh, the court of law, the gentleman in the van was convicted of driving with, uh, without due care and attention. And then uh, later on, uh, in the civil matter uh, with the insurance claim, he was also uh, found to be culpable. He was found uh, to, to be liable for the accident. And so having been exonerated twice uh, by law is, is really helpful. It was really, really difficult to think about uh, the accident. I didn't know what had happened until, um, September, actually, when I first was contacted by the witness who wanted to see how I was doing. So that was from uh, July, August, September, before I knew exactly what had happened, and I had to actually talk to the witness, and that was really good. Uh, my goodness. Um, anyway, so I was in the hospital. They brought me to the hospital on the 3rd of the July, right after the accident. And that was my home until the uh, 23rd of August of 2017. Uh, in that time, I had uh, many, many surgeries, more than 10. Uh, it's a bit vague as to how many I had uh, for different reasons. Uh, but the surgeries were were quite extensive, uh, and that is also when leg uh, limb reconstruction began. Limb reconstruction is when they use uh, a device called the uh, Taylor Spatial Frame, and sometimes an Elizarov frame. You can Google search those if uh, if you want to know what those are. Uh, but limb reconstruction began, and there was a long haul there. Um, the, uh, that time in the hospital, uh, I, I, I want to say I was uh, put in a, a coma for the first week. Uh, the accident happened on Monday. Uh, by Saturday, the next Saturday, I was uh, taken out of my coma. Uh, and then I had about two weeks of what the medical community calls delirium it's a really bizarre experience. It was horrifying. It was to me, the most traumatic part of the whole, uh, incident. Um, delirium is, is, uh, your, your, your brain trying to make sense of what is happening. And, uh, it's been so drugged and so medicated and the coma does things and your brain just can't make sense out of reality anymore for a while. And, uh, it's just it's just horrible it's worse than any nightmare you could have had um there there, there were deaths and uh, threats and uh, conspiracies uh, all so real to my mind i actually have stronger memories of those uh things in my mind than i had of anything else in, in the early days of the uh, accident and the fallout there so I was in the hospital, like I said, from, uh, from, uh, July 3rd until August 23rd. And in that time, you would think that I may have found myself a bit angry. Why did this happen to me? God, how could you let this happen to me? What, what is going on? Um, but, cause I, I, I know that, some people do respond that way to uh, situations like this, and, and I have in the past, and, and I guess uh, most people do, uh, but this particular time, it was not that way at all. You see, I think it's important to know that uh, before, before the accident, I had just started coming back to God and trying to live for Him again. I took a vacation from Him, a really stupid, moronic two years of just Outright rebellion, um, which I will talk about down the road. I really am uh, keen to uh, to own it, to own my sin, own my rebellion, uh, and share the fallout and and everything else uh, from that. Uh, but just for today, I just want to let you know that that uh, I was not in a good place a couple of months before the uh, before the accident. Um, I made my way at least cerebrally uh, back to God I knew that was all I could do anyway my heart wasn't in it but I just knew that he was the only way I had to come back uh so um I was in the hospital uh, by this time I had already met my uh my my wife Kathy uh, we had just met not too long before the accident actually Kathy was like a rock in the hospital she was just there the whole time she she had to come uh, drive into the hospital as much as she could. It was over an hour away uh, where she lived at the time. Uh, but the, one, the part I want to share is is uh, she had her church, of course, down there that she went to. And uh, there was uh, so much support there in some ways. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of people sharing Bible verses and everything. And there was one that changed everything. There were a lot of good Bible verses. Everything was. It was. I just was soaking it all in. I just really needed to hear from God, uh, and 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 He was speaking to me. Um, and the verse that the verse that uh, this one person sent to me was was uh, First Thessalonians, chapter five: Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you there is a lot of stuff packed in that in that little passage there there's a 3 verses two of them very short rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you now <laughs> imagine you're laying in the hospital bed you can't move your whole lower body is busted up to bits you have wires and tubes going in and out everywhere and uh, it is just not comfortable uh, physically uh, to understate things uh, i had my legs literally being held together with uh, metal bars that were kind of screwed into the bones and uh, they were just wrapped up and uh and, and still bleeding just just a mess and then you're trying to do everything you can to keep the pain at bay and um, of course the uh, nurses and the staff there they're trying to help you with that but then somebody sends you this verse and it says, rejoice always. <laughs> I think at different points in my life, I probably would have been kind of insulted or, you know, like, uh, I, are, are you serious? You're going to tell me to rejoice always after what's just happened to me. Look at my body and you're telling me to rejoice always. I can really see someone responding that way. Uh, but God, his timing is magnificent. And this is, <laughs> This is what it felt like to me. It was, it was, yeah, I actually, I am already rejoicing. Since I came out of the coma, since I got past the delirium, God had just met me there in the hospital. He helped me, through the Holy Spirit, I believe, helped me understand for the first time that He loved me. He wanted me to live for Him. And He helped me love Him. These things just hadn't, in my decades of of being a Christian and, and trying to live right, not saying all this stuff, this was the first time I felt that real relationship where he loved me and I knew that. And I think that this was happening because I was actually in a state of surrender, the first time ever that I had actually surrendered that much. I had absolutely no choice. Every single part of me was vulnerable. Spiritually, mentally, physically. I was vulnerable. And that is when God can really do some wonderful things in your hearts. I'm telling you. Um, so the state of surrender, that was, that was key. Um, and, and I just want to say this is how God wants us. God wants us to be, um, he wants us to be surrendered all the time. In fact, I think I call it a state of unsurrender. When you're unsurrendered, that's when you start, you start getting in trouble. That's when things go kind of rough. Um, so God wants us to be in a relationship with him and the, the one that's in a state of surrender, trust and love. And I think there's a lot of people out there, you might be one of them, that, that just doesn't really get that God loves you. You kind of, you, you know it in your head, but it doesn't really feel like it. It, it, uh, it doesn't seem like it sometimes, or it doesn't really register. I really want to encourage you to pray uh, and just ask God to show you. Ask Him to really get in there, uh, work in your heart, and just know that He loves you. It is so essential for a good, solid walk in him. So there you have. It. There's. Uh, I talked about uh, the accident, what happened, then um, what happened in the hospital. Oh, <laughs> well, I can't. I can't talk about anything else without talking about rejoicing bones. I told you I would say uh, where rejoicing bones comes from. It's a funny, funny name because uh, you've got bones. You know, bones are just bones. You know, uh, and then we talk about bones rejoicing. Well, I got it from Psalm 51. It's a psalm that uh, I have used before to uh, help me relate to David in his sin with Bathsheba uh, and, uh, and uh, the death of her husband. Uh, psalm 51, the whole psalm was beautiful. The whole psalm is applicable, but I'm just going to read verse eight. It says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. I'm just going to read that again. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. My first blog talks about this verse. Um, Charles Spurgeon preached a message on it in the 1800s. Uh, I think that sermon was about 6,000 words, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it was all about just this one verse. That's how profound it is. Um, I don't want to get into the theology of suffering and pain. Um, I just do want to say real quick that there's a difference between punishment and discipline, uh, and I'm going to leave that there for now. Uh, the only thing, rejoicing bones, is going to do with you is just as far as theology goes and those kinds of things is, is to explore the, the theology of of suffering and, and pain, not to be geeks or nothing like that, but because I think it really helps us uh, to know God, how he works, see precedence in the Bible, and just really come away rejoicing because of what he's doing in our lives. It's just fantastic. So that's, that's where rejoicing bones comes from. Uh, David was praying this, uh, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. My bones were really broken folks. Uh, uh, but also my, my, my heart was, uh, it wasn't right. Um, so, so my, my legs breaking like they did, uh, led to God actually mending my heart in a really beautiful way. So that's that's where Rejoicing Bones comes from. I hope the story of the accident wasn't too long. You kind of have the idea of what happened. Um, and then secondly, we uh, just talked real briefly about where the name Rejoicing Bones comes from. What does it mean? Uh, again, I want to just say, uh, if you want to read about this, there's a really good long uh, blog, and you can find my blog at bones. Dot blog, You can Google search that, rejoicingbones.blog, and see that there. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll leave links in the comments. Uh, and just just lastly, um, I would just want to share real quick what Rejoicing Bones, I hope, uh, will do for you. Before that, let me just talk about the format, what I'm shooting for here. Uh, I want to have a, a time, a short time. I want to keep the, the uh, podcast fairly short, probably a bit shorter than this is. Uh, have a, a, some Maybe practical discussions about things that get in our way from uh, from having joy. Maybe we might talk about anger or something. I want to have and then a, an interview with uh, someone who uh, we see has had something um, that God has used in their lives to achieve joy. And uh, also after the interview, then I think having brief reflections, uh, brief reflections on scripture that will point us towards invincible joy. There are so many. You might be saying to yourself, Russ, uh, you're going to run out of material? Not a chance. Not a chance. I've been looking at this for four years. It's a bottomless pit, you know, in a good way, if that's possible. Anyway, so that's the format. Um, I just together want us to journey forward towards Christ, based on Scripture, knowing and learning his love for us, and how we can have invincible joy. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're shooting for. Folks, be joyful. Be restored. We'll talk to you soon.